Well, welcome to the latest podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel. So we actually had a question, yay, which set me off on a whole separate tangent. (laughs) So that's what you get when you ask a question. You never know what that's going to provoke me to talk about. So the question had to do with natural gas reclamation and restoration, basically just alternative energy. And that got me thinking about energy in general because there's a lot of pretty significant changes taking place as far as the energy sector is concerned. So I'm going to wander around some of those topics. Basically, with the reclamation, sort of starting with that question, it's using technology to get kind of maximum output from old wells. Um, there's been a lot of waste over the years because, well, the technology wasn't at the point where it could extract fully from either natural gas wells or oil wells or much of anything else. So as the technology has improved, you're going back to some of the older systems and finding that there's still resources to be had. So there's a certain amount of support for this. It's not like it's getting a lot of government money. It's mostly the private sector side seeing opportunity in older buildings, or not buildings, older sites, and finding ways to, to do more extraction. But that continues to sort of drive the whole conversation about alternative energy versus fossil fuels, and it's a debate that's not going to end anytime soon. The most significant change when it comes to energy is that we now seem to be entering into a period being referred to as dynamic production. And part of this is technologically driven, and part of it is just the new ways and new places that we find oil and gas resources. What used to happen was that we were very much at the mercy of global production. I mean, oil and gas priced globally, so if you had circumstances that interfered with production in the Middle East or North Africa or really anywhere else in the world, it reverberated through the market. It took quite a while for oil producers to react to changes. I mean, if they were going to reduce output from a given well, it took months uh, to sort of bring that well down, took months to bring it back up. So you, for the most part, just kind of soldiered through price increases and price decreases. That's changed. Now, with the way that we produce, with fracking, with more efficient use of wells, with more technology, producers can really react on the spot to spot prices. And, I mean, I've had lots of conversations with people up in North Dakota and Texas and elsewhere, and, I mean, literally, they just watch the spot price. And the spot price goes up, it's like, hey, fire up, price of oil's up, let's go for it. A couple days later, price comes down, shut it down. I mean, you can bring these operations up and down, literally like turning a switch. And what that does is it allows a kind of instant reaction to shifts in oil. And we've seen that in the last several months. I mean, if you remember the hysteria that sort of hit the oil markets when the Hamas war started, I mean, there was an assumption that there'd be an immediate reaction on the part of the oil markets, that the Arab producers would reduce output, that there'd be geopolitical problems of one kind or another. And for a couple of days, the per barrel price did shoot up into the 90s, nearly 100, but then it dropped just as fast. 
because it became obvious that the people in North Dakota and Texas and Canada and elsewhere looked at the spot price and said, hey, burn, fire up. Price per barrel just went up. And they reacted instantly. So that dynamic production really is expected to keep oil prices very stable. Um, right now, the Energy Information Agency is asserting that per barrel prices are going to stay in the 70s almost regardless of what happens this year. Hurricanes, eh, whatever. More wars, eh, whatever. You know, it's just we can ramp up or ramp down at will. And that has an impact on alternatives because one of the things that drove alternative energy was high oil pricing. So if you were going to switch to an EV, if you were going to undertake some major change in the way that you generated electricity, well, it was going to be determined by the fossil fuel prices. Well, if they're stable and stable low, then that motivation begins to fade. And this is one of the things that's begun to jeopardize at least investment interest in alternatives. The S&P 500 has an index that it basically links to alternative energy, also has one that it links to fossil fuel. The alternative energy index has fallen by 25%. The fossil fuel index has gained by 25%. So the investors that were turning their back on fossil fuels are like, yeah, well, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Um, we're still going to be dependent on fossil fuels for a few decades, so we're back in the game. And meanwhile, we're not so enthusiastic about the alternatives because those are still very dependent on government subsidy. And my last word on this subject for this week anyway is that government subsidy. Much of what was driving interest in alternatives was the money that was coming out of the government. In one way or the other, we had the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which had virtually nothing to do with inflation, but it was all about climate change and alternative energy. That money has been allocated, but it's not necessarily been distributed. Very little of it has actually come out yet. And one of the potential impacts of an election this year is that you have less enthusiasm for that kind of investment. If there is a withdrawal of government interest and government subsidy, the interest on the part of private investors falls right with it. And we've seen this take place in Europe. I mean, the Germans put a huge amount of government effort behind alternatives. When that money began to dry up, for whatever reason, the interest dried up with it. Um, So... You see a lot of investors going, yeah, well, without the subsidy, this doesn't make any sense, so I'm going to back away. So there you go. Very long and detailed response. Probably didn't even really hit the actual question, but, you know, that's what happens when you do a podcast. So thanks very much for listening again, and we'll be in touch in a further week.